believe it or not, after all of these weeks, we are at the last of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, I say that with happiness because we have walked through all of uh, chapter 5, 6, and 7 of the book of Matthew, and we've taken it really sentence by sentence, basically. We've left out a couple of passages, but most all of this beautiful statement from Jesus Christ himself 2,000 years ago has been in front of all of us during these times. And I know that it has been enriching and powerful, and I've learned a lot. I have thought about a lot. Uh, the, the teacher always usually learns more than the students, and I'm in favor of that, and so many of you are teachers, and I love to teach, particularly God's Word. And so, but now we come to this last section, right at the end of chapter 7 of the book of Matthew. And I said a little bit about this last week, but I want to remind you and say a bit more about it. But all through chapters 5, 6, and the first part of chapter 7, Jesus has been giving us foundational principles, uh, concepts of Christian life, how we're to relate, how we're to think, how we're to, to be with ourselves and with our neighbors and such good, good foundational principles. But now here in this last section, just the last part of chapter 7, it switches just a little bit. The, the theme or the emphasis switches just a bit. And he gets into really some things about his concerns. He is, well, there are warnings here. And in just a moment, we're going to talk about four specific warnings that Jesus lays before us in these last verses. Uh, and the warnings, they're not harsh, but they are serious, serious, serious. And the reason for the warnings, and I want you to hear this very loud and clear, the reason that Jesus is warning us here is because he wants us to be with him. This is all, the whole Sermon on the Mount is about his kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus Christ. The church in this day and age and in our lives, but in all of eternity. And so these warnings right here at the end, he, I almost get a sense that he's urgently saying to you and me, pay attention. <laughs> I want you to be careful. These are very, very important things that you need to, to be aware of and to know that they are possible. Now, last week, and I'm going to start here because last week we talked, we talked in detail about the first warning. And then I'll go on to 2, 3, and 4 in just a minute. But remember the first warning. What did Jesus say last week? Enter the narrow gate, period. Just enter the narrow gate. And then he went on to describe, and he talked about the descriptions of these two gates that he laid before us. One is narrow, but that narrow gate leads where? To life. That's the warning. Enter the narrow gate, because then 
we will be with Jesus and we will be in life and life with him. And then he went on last week to say, but the broad gate, that leads to destruction. And many people go that way, he tells us. And yes, that is true. And please remember that I said to you last week, and I know this to be the truth in my life, in your life, but we have a tendency to go toward the broad gate. We have an inclination as human beings to slide that direction in our naturalness, in our selfishness, in our sinfulness. To go toward the broad gate, to, to say, well, I just don't want to worry about all that other stuff. I just want to be down this road that I want. And I think, think that this is the good road. But unfortunately, the broad gate always ends up being the not good road. And so Jesus warns us. He tells us, go through the narrow gate because that leads to life. Now, that's the first warning and one that I think takes a priority position. But there are three more warnings that I want to share with you. And so I'm just going to read from this wonderful seventh chapter of Matthew, this, some of these last statements we're going to start with verse 20, excuse me, verse 15, and we're going to go right on down to the beautiful ending of this chapter. But the second warning, first warning is enter the narrow gate. Second warning is this, watch out for false prophets. Now that sounds like a warning, right? Watch out for false prophets. They come in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. And a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot bear any kind of good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Now, let me, let me change a word here. Not that I'm trying to change scripture. I just see an interpretation here. It says here that by their fruit, you will recognize them. The word that I want to change is recognize. I want to change it to judge them. By their fruit, these false prophets. Remember, this is a warning about possible deception. Now, think for just a moment about the false prophets that were surrounding Jesus Christ. When he was here on this earth, they were all around him. These false prophets that he contended with almost every day of his ministry. He was in conflict with them. He confronted them. They tricked and tried to get him into all sorts of difficult places. What were these false prophets called? Pharisees. <laughs> these were false prophets during Jesus' time. They were absolutely overwhelming the Jewish people with legalism. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. You've got to not do this. You've got to not do this. You've got to not do this. There were 635 rules that they had come up with. 
for all the Jewish people to follow or to, to abide by. And these were false prophets because their fruit was condemnation, judgment, negative judgment. And so now we have to be careful because are you aware that there are false prophets all around us in our society today? What about it? Think about it for just a second. Now I'm going to mention some because I believe we have to be aware because Jesus Christ is warning us here in this second warning, beware, be knowledgeable, uh, pay attention to false prophets to protect against them. Now, there are some cults in our world. I'm sure you have thought about, seen studies, things even on TV about cults that many times sound, and this is the deception, they many times sound Christian. But when you start looking at them and being discerning about them, they're not Christian. And I'm going to, and I hope I don't offend anybody. I don't think you would be here if this is you, but maybe somebody in your family. But one of the main cults that is throughout our land, and in some ways throughout the world, and they're right here on our streets, and they come and knock on your door, and they want to tell you what Joseph Smith said. And these people are called Mormons. And it is a, what's called a Christian diversion. They sound very Christian. Until you study and understand some of what they believe. And they have three Bibles. They have what they call the Holy Spirit Scriptures. Which is some diversion from what we read. And they have what's called the Book of Mormon. And they have what's called the Doctrine and Covenants. Three different Bibles. And these folks come and knock on your door and they want to talk to you about Jesus. That's what they say. But they really want to talk to you about Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon and Doctrine and Covenants. So beware of false prophets. Now, I know a good bit about this because I had a grandmother that was a part of the Mormon. Mormon church and when I was a teenager they knew that I was active in my Christian church in my Baptist church and this whole church that she was a part of we had some contact with them they were almost ravenous to get me I mean they would do little deceptive things I was like 15 16 years old and they would do deceptive things to get me to, to listen to their bishops, to their earthly prophets. And so be careful. They're all about false prophets. Now, I'll mention a couple of others that are a little more well-known and sensational maybe, but there was a man years ago by the name of Jim Jones. Yeah, you recognize that name. And as I remember it, you know, he preached... He was a pastor. He started churches in this part of the country and then went to California and then ended up in Guiana down in Central America. And if you remember correctly, he had 900 people that were a part of his cult that lived down in Guiana. 
And under his influence and under his falseness and evilness, 900 people committed suicide. Tragic, absolute horrific. And all related to false prophets because he had brainwashed them for his own purposes. For his own purposes. Always these false prophets are for their own purposes, not for God's purposes. And I'll mention another one. This fellow's name is David Koresh. The Brants Davidians in Waco, Texas. You've heard about that, I'm sure. Another tragic experience. Not as many, but this David Koresh, for his own purposes, for his own evil purposes, had brainwashed many of these younger people, needy people, folks that he was able to, to get into. He was a false prophet. Very intelligent, very charismatic, very dynamic, and yet evil. And tragedy again struck, where I think there was something like 80, 85 people, men, women, and children, that were consumed in a horrible fire there in that community that they had outside of Waco, Texas. False prophets. But I'm going to tell you one other one that is very apparent. False prophets. The prosperity gospel. I'm sorry, and I pray for them, and I have people that believe in that, and they follow some, and maybe some of you do. But the prosperity gospel says, well, you need to just lead a luxurious, convenient life. You need to realize that when you're a part of God's family, you can have what you want. And just depend on the Lord, and he will give you what you want. That's not true. That's not what scripture says. We will have what we need at the hand of the Lord. Yes, hallelujah. And we also will suffer. That's part of what Jesus did. And scripture talks about suffering. And so the prosperity gospel is a false prophet-based system. And so at that point, you and I have to pay attention because certainly it's very attractive to our selfish side to our sinful side because all of us have a desire to live a convenient comfortable life well but that's not the way it's supposed to be folks I'm sorry but this Christian life is a life of denial it is a life of sacrifice it is a life of submission and yet the reward in this life and in eternity it's not just in the sweet by and by in this life, we have freedom, we have peace, we have good fellowship, we have good relationships, we have purposeful ministry and mission. Do you understand that in this life, even with the suffering, even with the sacrifice, there are rewards, but prosperity gospel says, well, no, now look, you need money, you need all that you want, just go to the Lord and he'll do it for you. Well, Please remember, Jesus said differently. If you go to the 15th and the 16th chapter of John, Jesus warns his disciples in that, that there's going to be suffering. 
that people are going to hate you because of him. Because the world hates truth. The world hates Jesus Christ. And you and I are disciples of, servants of, the family of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, you're going to suffer. And at the last of, of chapter 16 of the book of John, you got this powerful statement that Jesus himself says to his disciples and says to you and me that in this world we are going to have trouble and tribulation. Right? And yet he says, in him we can have peace. And then he says this powerful statement, take heart or be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, he says. And so that's not the prosperity gospel. That is the true gospel that in him, he says, and it is true, that we can have peace. And so he says right here, this second warning, beware of false prophets and you will know them by their fruits because their fruits, the false prophets' fruits, lead to destruction, lead to death. Now, I want to ask you a question for you and for me, for King's Grant Baptist Church, for the Church of Jesus Christ. Do we portray good fruit? I trust so. That is part of our calling. And when and if we're following the ordination of the Lord and following Jesus Christ and living by what Scripture says, then I know through him and through our service we will bear good fruit and so false prophets are set aside. So enter the narrow gate, the first warning. The second warning is to beware of false prophets. And they're all around us. Now what's the third warning? Now this passage of scripture, and I'm going to read it to you and let you think about it, and I'm going to make a few comments about it. But this passage of scripture that I'm about to read, I believe is one of the most difficult passages of scripture that there is in God's word. And you will know that, think that, when you think about it. I hope you know this scripture and listen to it very carefully. It's in verse 21 through 23 of chapter 7. Jesus says, always remember that this is Jesus' statements. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh, my goodness. Please think about that. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, saying it prayerfully, sanctimoniously, sacredly, in a spirit of service, Lord, Lord. But he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So Jesus is saying that it's not just lip service. It's not just performance. It is a matter of the spirit, a matter of the heart, a matter of what you believe and act out in your life. Now remember that one of the basic wills of the Father in heaven 
is to draw people to him and for people to accept the truth and for people to commit our lives to Jesus Christ as Master and Savior. And so if you're here today, I trust that every person in this room is a committed Christian believing the truth and absoluteness of Jesus Christ. But if you're here today and you do not know that that is true in your life, then please talk to me before the day is out. Because Jesus is saying here, even if you're in church, even if you portray, even if you act out, even if you perform, even if you show people an image of being a Christian man or woman, but you do not have the truth of Jesus Christ in your life, if you do not, if you're not living in the will of the Heavenly Father, then he's saying, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. He goes on to say, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Yes. There are people that do that and still do not have the power of the Holy Spirit in them. And they perform miracles, they drive out demons, they, and sometimes they do that in the power of Satan. Yes, that has happened in the scriptures, and I believe that happens today. But he goes on to say, for some of these people that do not have the spirit, do not have the will of the Father, he says, then I will tell them plainly. Because they're saying, Lord, didn't we do all this for you? But then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Wow. Won't you just think about that for a minute? He would look at you or look at me and say, I never knew you. Go away. I hate to even say that. However, I have something that I believe so firmly as I sit here before you. When and if you and I know him and follow him and let him be Lord of our lives and Savior of our lives and we accept the truth and we live out the truth and we abide by that day after day after day after day, when we are committed Christian men and women and we know him in all of his fullness, then he knows us. Now, I want you to think about that. It's just basically that formula, if you would, or I don't know if it's simple, but it is exact. When we know him, know him in his fullness, and we live a life committed to him as Lord and Master, Savior of our lives, and we know absolutely the truth of Jesus Christ, and therefore we know him, then we escape him ever saying, I never knew you. Because when we know him, then he knows us. And he knows you and me by name in the truth of our relationship with Jesus Christ. So that's the third warning. We have the gates, we have false prophets, and now we have this whole aspect of knowing him so that he will know us. Now we come to the fourth warning, 
and the beautiful, powerful conclusion to this chapter and to this Sermon on the Mount, and it's in verses 24 through 27. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, stop there for a second because I just want to remind you, and I'm thankful of this. I've been preaching here for you folks for a little over a year. Started in May of last year. And I think the first or maybe the second sermon that I preached to you, I reminded all of us of Jesus Christ and his disciples. It's in the 16th chapter of Matthew where he says, who do people say that I am? And Peter made this powerful declaration that you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Peter, you've learned this from your heavenly Father. And on this rock, Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church. Well, I said then, I say now, I believe firmly that what and who Jesus was talking about was himself. He is the rock. He is the foundation upon which his church is built. And so hear this final warning. Therefore, everyone who near, hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the Jesus Christ, on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, please just, as Jesus is finishing these warnings, remember he's warning us because he wants us to be solid in our relationship with him. He wants us to be a part of his family. Now and forever. And so here he's saying. I am the rock. I am the foundation. And so finishing on the rock. That's where we're coming to here. And the rock is the absolute foundation. Of our Christian life. The Jesus Christ truth. That we know and that we read about in scripture. And he is saying, when we stand on him, then we are being wise builders of our house. Now, I want to tell you, in my ministry and as I talk to people and in my counseling, I t often talk to them about their spiritual, emotional house. And I've done that for years. And maybe it's come from this. I didn't really even know that. But we all are building, with God's help, hopefully, a spiritual, emotional house. That's within us. That is, that is a part of us. That is a part of our lifestyle, a part of our beliefs, a part of our commitments. And he's saying, if we build that house on him and on the truth of Jesus Christ, then when the storms come and when the winds blow and when the rains come crashing down, then our house, do you understand? Our emotions, our spirit, 
our lifestyles, our relationships, our house will stand. But if we don't build it on him, when the storms and the terrible times come, then our house is going to be battered and pushed around and it will crash. It will collapse. And I now, 50 years as a counselor, 60 years as a church leader, I know that to be an absolute fact. That if you and I are built on the rock, then we stand. Even in the struggles. Now you know, you know that the storms are going to come. It's inevitable. Every one of us in this room has been in a storm. Many of us may be in a storm right now today. Some life experience. A loss. Grief in your life. A loss of loved ones. Or financial difficulties. Or some terrible disease. Or some disappointment in your job or your career. We've all been betrayed. We've all been set aside. We've all been rejected in some form or fashion. Life is a struggle. And if we're not built on the rock, then what Jesus says is that that house that is you as a man or a woman, that house is going to collapse. It's going to just crumble and fall apart. But if or when, let's say when, as you and I live according to his words, and that's what he said right here. If you will put these words that I've said to you into practice, then you'll be like the wise man that's built his house on the rock. And then you're going to stand. And then you're going to stand, and you're going to stand, and you're going to stand. And so if you're sitting here today and you feel like your house is crumbling, he is speaking to you that he puts foundation under you. He will help you to stand even in the midst of the storms. And isn't that such a great statement? And so we got four warnings here from Jesus Christ himself. For your benefit, my benefit, for his relationship with you and me. He wants us to be with him. And so we enter the narrow gate. We beware of false prophets. We make sure that we know him so that he will know us. And we build our house on the foundation of the rock. And then, thank the Lord, we stand. Please pray with me for a moment.